1: and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence.
0: To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist.
1: It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of
0: history since the beginning of time.
1: Time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices. To be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between
0: different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The
1: kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure.
0: Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength.
1: our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when
0: separated,
1: is always looking for our other
0: half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything.
1: Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
0: Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable. And you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week. Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific on Ground Zero.radio and the Aftermath FM app. If you'd like to listen to The Secret Teachings after the show airs, you can visit our website for the free show archive. It's pretty easy to find if you visit www.thesecretteachings.info. Or if you search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player, you can find the show there and listen for free. If you have the financial means, you can take advantage of our end of the year special for our ad free archive. You get access to the ad free shows, the montages, my digital books and a private RSS feed. We also have a special end of the year deal for the digital copies of my books. You can get all four, including my new book, Liberty Shrugged, all for twenty dollars. You can use PayPal or Cash App on the website. It's pretty self-explanatory, but if you have any questions, comments, concerns, etc., email me at rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. It's that simple, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Last night's show, Aren't You Glad I Didn't Say AI?, is available right now in the archive also got an interesting email from Mike at Ground Zero, and Mike told me that he looked up LOAB, L-O-A-B, one of the AI demons we talked about last night, and said the name in Sumerian means container or uh, some kind of vessel, uh, container of lies, something to that effect. And I shot Mike an email back, and I said, that's really interesting because containers or vessels or These kinds of things are references to what Francis Barrett, a well-known magician, he wrote a book called The Magus. He said that is one of the hierarchical levels in demonology, something that I had never read anywhere else. I only read that I found that in The Magus. And that's interesting because it means that Loab is not just kind of a random name. Uh, for this AI-generated cryptid or this AI-generated demon in the same way that the the Krungus character we talked about last night, which is a reference to crud and fungus under the fingernail, he's not a a, a random name either. Krungus is a name that refers to the fingernails because as a demon, demons traditionally get into the body through the fingernails, the cuticles, the nail beds, etc. That's why witches have blackened fingers. It's you know part of the, the symbolic representation of a deal that they made with a demon or the devil or something like that. Uh, so that was really interesting. Mike sent me that, and I wanted to share that with you here on the show because if you, if you heard last night's show, that's just a little bit more information to go along with what we discussed. There's also an Ars Technica article that I found uh, this morning actually sort of wish I'd have mentioned it last night if I'd have found it. it was a, It's about a, a typewriter. They called it like a ghostwriter. Uh, and it is a typewriter that, essentially a typewriter that uses uh, AI. Uh, and you can communicate with it. It's kind of like a chat bot, uh, But it's a ghostwriter, so it'll write things for you. Which is, you know, take out the AI as we interpret AI and just put in algorithm, algal, algal rhythm, uh, and you get, which is the demon star, and you get those, you know, ghost writers that major newspapers have been write, uh, writing with or using to publish articles, uh, especially for sports. That's why you find a lot of articles nowadays. They've got, you know, m- either misspellings or double, triple words, or it's random symbols, and because I don't, I don't think they even have an editor check it. Uh, the editor doesn't even look at it. They just have the the system produce it and they publish it, and that's pretty much it. So, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you about what what Mike from Ground Zero had said from Aftermath had said and uh, also from that article I read this morning. Last night, uh, well, I should say yesterday morning, but yesterday, uh, during the day, uh, into the evening, I went on a hike with a friend of mine here in Tucson. Uh, my fiancé, Hope, and I, we met up with uh, Joe, who's actually called into the show many times. You might remember him. And uh, Joe and I and, and Hope, we went for a walk over near Colossal Cave, which is just southeast of Tucson, and uh, we didn't we didn't get a chance to go in the cave. I, we, we had to go and do some errands. So we ended up leaving after uh, after the hike and talking a little bit. But we took like a couple mile hike. I think it was a couple miles. And we were chatting and talking about, you know, just different things. And, uh, you know, politics came up at one point And Joe said, it's kind of weird that abortion is like the foundation of our whole political system now. And I've thought that and I've said that before here on the show. And I said, yeah, you're right, Joe. It is really, really weird. Like abortion is the only thing that matters to to a lot of people. It's the only thing that matters. And I thought about that after we left. We were done hiking and we left and I was thinking about tonight's show. And I I kept thinking what Joe said. Yeah, abortion is like one of the only things that matters to people. Uh, And, you know, that... That is something that you can understand from a personal perspective why someone might be concerned with abortion right like if you were if you were illegally in the United States um, maybe you know you were trying you had gotten a job or you, you were trying to live here trying to get you know your um, your your paper your legal paperwork done it would be understandable if the only thing you were concerned with was if someone you know was elected who, um, was going to give you know illegal immigrants amnesty. You can because that's a personal thing that you're experiencing. You can understand that. Um, you can understand if if someone is sincerely so concerned with the environment, they believe that the earth is going to end in 12 years, like some people have said. Uh, then you can understand why some people would be compulsively, obsessively, compulsively you know, just consumed uh, by a, a, a politician or a, a leader, a representative of the people. Uh, who is going to do harsh things to solve the climate crisis. Like, You can understand why people have those one-track collectivized thought processes because they're consumed by uh, a bombardment, by an avalanche of information that is just constantly, uh, every single day, morning, noon, and night, pumping this stuff into their head. Uh, otherwise, And I'm not going to be the arbiter of how how I define this word. I'm not going to define the word. But generally speaking, a balanced person would be able to recognize that there's more than the issue of abortion. There's more than the issue of climate change. There's more than the issue of, you know, whatever it is that's on a one track, uh, you know, collectivized, obsessive compulsive uh, uh, thought process. There's more than just a singular issue uh, that affects us. Culturally, societally, politically, economically, etc. There, there's more than a singular issue. Uh, obviously, people have, uh, you know, when you read a poll or something like that, there's always like a main issue. It's usually always the economy. Uh, and that's understandable, of course. But, you know, people that have one issue that's more important than other issues, they also have other issues that they're concerned with. When we're talking about something like abortion, you know, abortion is... Is is a is a singular mindset for some people. So is climate change, and the same thing goes for words like equity and equality, which I think kind of circle the drain of of racism. Uh, and the usage of this word has gotten so out of control that it is almost entirely meaningless now. Racism doesn't really mean anything. I mean, if you if you are using that word, then obviously you know it means a lot to you. In fact, I think it means everything to the people that use it. It's the way that they debate. It's the way that they discuss things. It's the way that they, you know, they fight their opposition and whatever. I mean, you could you could like Pepsi and someone else could like Coca-Cola and you don't like Coca-Cola, so there are races for drinking Coca-Cola. I mean, that's that's what people do nowadays. They just use those words because they, they cannot discuss or debate things. They don't have any kind of... Um, they don't have any kind of substance. They just use these words. It's not just the activist types. It's Everything is about racism. Everything is about the climate. Everything is about abortion. And all of these things kind of link and go together. Uh, one of the things that I thought was probably one of the best examples, but one of the most ridiculous things I think I've ever read, um, is there's a Netflix TV show called Ancient Apocalypse. It's by uh, the author and journalist, Graham Hancock I assume most of you know who Graham Hancock is and if you don't that's really all you need to know he's an author and he's a journalist and he's a very well-known very successful author and journalist who has published uh, some of the most iconic books like fingerprints of the gods and his new book is uh, America before he also has magicians of the gods I think that was published in 2015 the guy travels all over the world. He does, you know, investigations of, of, of um, archaeological sites. He's not an archaeologist. He makes that very explicit. He's just a journalist. He just collects information. And because Graham Hancock, who does not make his content really political per se, um, he does talk about how institutions and, you know, universities, they, they tend to be very biased in, um, in what they will believe and what they will teach and what they will accept. So I guess you could interpret that maybe as political Um, and he'll make comments about, you know, how, you know, maybe certain governments kind of work to suppress information. But, you know, generally speaking, if you just read Graham Hancock's stuff, you wouldn't really. I mean, he even talks about, you know, climate change, kind of references climate change. So you really don't know exactly what his viewpoints are. If you just listen to him talk like he's about his work, he doesn't make things political like that uh, from everything I've heard anyway. But when he did his, his show, Ancient Apocalypse, they went to a couple different locations. One of them was Serpent Mound in Ohio. And the basis of his work is that there was an ancient civilization, much more ancient than the ancient world that we think about. And it was much more, let's call it, civilized and advanced technologically uh, than, in some respects, he doesn't necessarily say this, I would say this, that they're more advanced in a lot of ways than we are today. That doesn't mean they had iPads and they had airplanes, but the kind of culture that they built, um, the types of things that they constructed, were able to stand the test of time and the test of nature uh, and the test of geological upheavals that were global in scope and devastating to anything that wasn't, Built in solid rock, essentially. So Graham Hancock proposes this ancient civilization. Uh, you know, the the time kind of. You know, d- d- I guess it depends on uh, when you know how you interpret history, because you say the end of the last ice age. Well, there were different periods of melting. There were different uh, different times in which uh, they give us scientists give us for the end of the last ice age, but somewhere prior to the Younger Dryas, like 11,700 to 13,000 years ago, roughly. His hypothesis is, his theory is that human society was much more evolved at this time period and that we were much more uh, sophisticated in our abilities to build things, uh, in our beliefs and, and things like this. And when society essentially restarted after the end of the last ice age, you have these stories that come out of places like Egypt uh, and that Egypt started uh, essentially at the height, at the peak of their technological development and then declined as if they had been given information that was preserved and then after a period of time that information was lost, it was no longer understood. So abilities to build and construct things you know, in the later years of Egypt were much less sophisticated than they were at the height uh, of of those building uh, techniques and the height of knowledge, which was at the very start of the Egyptian civilization, which is totally contrary to, you know, how civilization evolves and develops. And this is the case not only for Egypt, but also other places around the world as well, including in, in parts of the Indus Valley and India and, and places like that. So his theory is basically there was ancient civilization much more advanced. And if you read his book Underworld, he proposes that a lot of the evidence for these uh, these uh, interconnected uh, parts of human civilization all over the world. Well, now it's it's underwater because of all the coastlines that were flooded uh, during the series of floods after the last um, ice age or at the end of the last ice age, different periods of time. So you got places like, um, you know, for example, Sicily used to connect to Malta. That's a lot of land that's now under the water, and as a result of that, there's probably a lot of evidence uh, under the water in those places around India, uh, Australia, the Americas, all over the world. A lot of land that went missing, a lot of land that's underwater, and he believes that a lot of the evidence is 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 there for this this hypothesis to be proven correct and true. That's basic. That's just kind of in a nutshell what Graham Hancock proposes. His work is fascinating. But when he went to Serpent Mound in the TV show, they told him, and he posted the email online, they told him, You cannot film here. Can't film here. Why? Because you don't believe what we believe, literally. This is part of what they told him. This is a sacred American Indian site as its caretaker on behalf of the people of Ohio past and present and to the American Indian tribes whose ancestors built the mounds. Our role is to ensure that serpent mounds, integrity and preservation, both physically and in its historical interpretation are maintained. So they said their goal was to make sure that serpent mounds, historical interpretation is maintained. Then there was an article that has gone viral. That article is from the Guardian newspaper. The article says this. A show with a truly preposterous theory referencing ancient apocalypse is one of the streaming giant's biggest hits and it seems to exist solely for conspiracy theorists. Why has this been allowed? So here's a newspaper that's supposed to be about free speech asking, why are we allowing Netflix, which The Guardian has no connection to, why are we allowing a streaming platform to stream a TV series that's just about conspiracy theories? It's funny because nobody says that about Ancient Aliens. I mean, Ancient Aliens is truly a show about conspiracy theories. Ancient Apocalypse is not a conspiracy theory. Ancient Apocalypse is... Showing you these amazing places, the, the, the underground cities, showing you serpent mound, showing you these these amazing things that are that are that have been constructed in the past that are much older than we than we would think if we just kind of glance at them and, and listen to mainline archaeologists showing us those things and proposing something that all of these places have in common. That's 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 not a conspiracy theory. That's like doing the work of archaeologists who refuse to do that work because it would undermine uh, their credibility, and of course, it would undermine uh, the, the the financial components of, uh, you know, the mainline university systems. And the funny thing is, the irony is, as an archaeologist, as a professor, as a historian, whatever you are, what really undermines your credibility is not addressing the kinds of questions that people like Graham Hancock propose. So you have a newspaper that says, why are we allowing this TV show to be on air? It is preposterous. And then you go watch it, and it's one of the least preposterous things you've ever seen. It's like something that actually makes a lot of sense. And you might not be an archaeologist and might not know about the places where he visits and and what he talks about. It's a very, very simple TV show. Like, if you've never read his books, he condenses a lot of stuff down to those those handful of episodes. But they say it's dangerous. It's preposterous theory. Okay. Okay. Then, on November 30th, the Society for American Archaeology published a letter. The letter accuses Graham Hancock of promoting racist theories. Racist theories. So, Graham Hancock, who is an author and a journalist, who is extremely well respected, at least in some communities, Graham Hancock is a racist because he says that a lot of indigenous myths, legends, and religious stories written in history books are actually data points that support his hypothesis. Uh, I don't think he came up with the hypothesis and then looked at these myths and legends. He looked at the myths and legends and stories and then came up with the hypothesis. But nevertheless, looking at those stories, looking at those myths, looking at those legends... Allowed him to develop this theory and this hypothesis that a lot of these things are not are not uh, just fabrications; they're not just stories. They're they're actually uh, historical accounts. A lot of myths and legends of things that actually happened. Graham Hancock proposes that indigenous people, and uh, in particular, you know, when you have certain societies, certain cultures uh, around the world, that we think are primitive based on mainline history, he's proposing that they weren't so primitive. The people that built Gobekli Tepe were not primitive people. The people that built Gigantesia, uh, these are not primitive people. The people that built these amazing structures, people that built Yanaguni, these are not primitive people. They're off the coast of southwest Japan. These are not primitive people. He's saying that the primitives were not so primitive. And yet they call him a racist. Try to think about that, like process that. It's, it's, it's actually hard to think about. I can't really process it because I've read a lot of Graham Hancock's stuff. He's one of the few people I've never gotten a, a chance to interview. I've always loved his stuff. I watched this show that came out and then I'm, I'm listening to the media call him a conspiracy theorist and a racist. Despite the fact that not that you really need to know this, um, he's in a mixed race marriage his children are mixed race and his grandchildren are obviously mixed race. And I met him and his wife. They're, they're like literally two of the nicest people. I don't just, it's not just like a, a rhetoric kind of thing. They're literally two of the nicest people I've ever met. Graham Hancock is so like, and when I've met him, i met him more than once. He's so sincere. He's so well-spoken. He's so kind. And they, Paint him like this. He's also just he's just real. He's a real person. And this is how they, they paint him. They call him names and they try to discredit his work by calling him a conspiracy theorist and a racist, which kind of means that what he's talking about, we, we can assume what he's talking about must have a lot of merit because it terrifies archaeologists. It terrifies professors. It terrifies historians. So they have to resort to name calling. And that's when you know you've won the argument and the conversation. uh, When people call you names. Because again, if anything's full of conspiracy theories, it's not ancient apocalypse, it's ancient aliens. Not that I dislike ancient aliens, I I actually have the whole DVD box set of ancient aliens. (laughs) I got it for $7 at a used uh, bookstore. But ancient aliens is full of conspiracy theories and just kind of, not that they can't be true, but kind of outlandish theories. Again, I like ancient aliens. I think it's great, most of it, not all of it, most of it. But The Guardian is calling Ancient Apocalypse a a, a TV show that we should not allow. It's full of conspiracy theories. And then the Society of, for American Archaeology, which you would think could make a more, you know, intellectual argument, they just call him a racist. So Serpent Mound censors him. The Society for American Archaeology calls him a racist and mainline we support free speech newspapers say his show should be taken off of Netflix. You see a pattern here. You see a trend here. This is the kind of behavior you get from professionals. This is the kind of behavior you get from, you know, the the Smithsonian-level university types. It's the kind of attitude you get from big newspapers, journalists, professionals, right? The Society for American Archaeology, this is what they accuse him of, this is what they call him. Now, what they refer to Graham Hancock as is something that, well, anybody can become a victim to, that kind of name-calling. Because it is this obsessive-compulsive disorder that we collectively suffer from now. A one-track, collectivized thought process. If you don't believe that abortion is the biggest issue, you're a bigot who hates women. If you think that primitive man wasn't so primitive, well, that makes you a racist, which you would actually think it makes you the opposite because you're saying primitive man wasn't primitive. They were actually really intelligent, and they built amazing things of which we have hard evidence and proof of. No, it doesn't matter. They still call you a racist. We're going to talk about the obsessive compulsiveness of of this when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. The Secret Teachings Radio Show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like
1: us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us.
0: From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio.
1: If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing Montage Archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself.
0: are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Not that it should really concern you, but Graham Hancock, the lecturer, the author, the journalist, one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite people to listen to, used to listen to all the Graham Hancock shows with Art Bell. I actually listened to one not too long ago, one of the uh, old Art Bell uh, streaming uh, radio stations. Not that it should really concern you, but uh, Graham Hancock His personal life, um, he's in a mixed-race marriage and has mixed-race children. And yet, for some reason, the Society for American Archaeology uh, reduces his theories and hypotheses and his work to, one word, racism. He's a racist. Why is Graham Hancock a racist? Because he dares to suggest that indigenous myths and legends are actually true accounts of historical events. Why is he a racist? Because he suggests that human civilization was not as primitive in the more recent past or even in the distant past as we are taught in school. That primitive man was much less primitive than we we think. I mean, obviously, primitive man didn't build Gobekli Tepe. Primitive man didn't build Yanaguni. Primitive man didn't build a lot of the ancient structures off the coast of India. Primitive man didn't build... Serpent Mound. I mean, it depends on how you define primitive, I suppose. But by primitive, we we usually think someone is really kind of ignorant by our standards. They're kind of barbaric. They don't. I mean, they kind of just smash things. They don't really build things. Certainly not sophisticated things. Certainly not things that um, create whole new fields of study like archaeoastronomy. uh, Things that are really incomprehensible to our sensibilities today we don't we don't think oh there's no way ancient man could have done those things well they did because there are there's evidence of it so either primitive man wasn't as primitive as we we thought or those structures are even more ancient and there's been cataclysms and man has lost a lot of knowledge uh, which it's combination of all that and more so the society for american archaeology they're upset about the tv show ancient apocalypse and as a result they have published a letter they've sent a letter Uh, accusing Graham Hancock of racist theories. He's promoting racist theories. Why? Again, he thinks primitive people weren't so primitive. So the Society for American Archaeology calls him a racist. The Guardian newspaper says that it's a dangerous show with a preposterous theory. And they ask the question, why has this been allowed? So a mainline newspaper that, you know, they're all about free speech at The Guardian. They want the show censored. And then, of course, Mr. Hancock published the letter that he received uh, upon requesting the uh, access to film at Serpent Mound. He published the, the, the email that he received back that said, this is a sacred American Indian site. As its caretaker on behalf of the people of Ohio past and present and to the American Indian tribes whose ancestors built the mounds, our role is to ensure the Serpent Mound's integrity and preservation, both physically and and in its historical interpretation. So they told him he's not allowed to film there. The Guardian says his show shouldn't be on TV. And the Society for American Archaeology says he's a racist. Now, this is weird to me. should be weird to you for a lot of reasons, but first and foremost, we're not talking about someone who's involved in politics here. You might be able to kind of discern what his views are politically you know if you read his work, but that that isn't the the, the cornerstone of, of his of his presentation on ancient apocalypse. It isn't the cornerstone of his um I've seen him give lectures. It's not the cornerstone of his lectures. It's not about politics or stuff like that, but everything gets reduced down to that. When I was hiking yesterday with my friend Joe here in Tucson, Joe said something that, you know, kind of sparked my imagination a little bit. He he said, yeah, you know, abortion is really just it's like the basis for our whole political system now. And I said, yeah, it is. I've said that before. Abortion is like the literally the only thing that a lot of people care about. It's one thing to be concerned more so with one issue but when that's the only issue that you think matters and you vote solely based on that issue then democracy as we interpret it to be this this great system cannot exist although democracy by its original definition is the very that is the very epitome of democracy it's just a mob with a one-track mind voting for whatever they get the most benefit from which doesn't preserve society in the least bit Um, And it has nothing to do with the rule of law, has nothing to do with uh, equal protections. It has everything to do with just making sure the mob gets what they want. But it's not just with abortion. It's it's with everything, you know, vaccines, climate change and racism. So it's weird that. We tell people that. Racism is like demeaning certain groups, right? But when you say certain groups like indigenous people, primitive people were not so primitive and indigenous people were much more intelligent and able to do things that we don't give them credit for. Somehow they say that's racist. Somehow Graham Hancock's work is reduced to one word racism. All the books he's written, all the work he's done, he's just a racist, which means what he's discredited. We don't want to talk about what he has found. We don't want to talk about what he theorizes on. We don't want to talk about what he's investigated because well, I mean if they're being honest, it destroys the narrative. It destroys the historical narrative, the archaeological narrative. It destroys pretty much everything we think we know about human kind and our past and human civilization. It destroys our understanding of virtually everything. Now, it's not that, you know, people like myself want to destroy all of those things. We just want information um, that rewrites the official narrative to be inserted into the narrative. And of course, people that maintain the narrative don't want that because, well, it, it it discredits them, which I don't really even agree with that. I think what discredits you is when you're not open to new information, but they think it discredits them or, you know, it's about money or something like that. So they don't want anything to do with it. So by saying you're a racist, you can't film here, censoring you take that TV show down. They don't have to have the conversation because they know that they would lose the debate. They don't actually have anything to debate. They don't have anything to add because they're used to getting by on their authority. I'm this, I'm that, so I'm right and you're wrong. Now, this is something that isn't just, of course, uh, it's not something we just experience politically. Like if you're a Republican, people just say you're a racist by default. And likewise, although I'm, I'm certainly not a Democrat myself, you know, if you're a Democrat, people tend to just you know, call you names like libtard and they say that you're a child molester or something like that, which that's obviously you know, uh, as ridiculous as calling all Republicans racists or Nazis or whatever. So it, it certainly goes both ways. That is a sign that we don't have um, the will anymore to discuss and to debate things. Uh, Or we're scared to discuss and debate things. We we always call people names. We just add that ad hominem, you know, uh, argument for everything. But these words also, I think, are like words like racism. It's almost like an obsessive compulsiveness. When I was a kid, and even to this day, I'm 31, I myself am kind of, you know, OCD. But I've always told people, I'm not OCD, I'm I'm just O.C., I'm, a, I'm just obsessive- compulsive. I, I don't consider it a disorder. I don't consider it a disorder because I've turned my compulsiveness into this radio show. and I've turned my compulsiveness into writing books. And if I didn't have um, that drive, I, I would not be able to do what I do here on the secret teachings. It's because I'm I'm usually pretty well organized. I'm very compulsive about getting stuff done when it needs to be done call that perfectionism, call it whatever. I've always seen it as kind of like an obsessive compulsiveness because I I am obsessed uh, with making sure things are done the right way most of the time. But I don't consider it a disorder because it's it's actually allowed me to live the life that never thought I would be able to live. Like I can do this show, um, I can write books, and then I can just go do whatever I want to do after the show. I don't have to show up for a nine to five job anymore. I don't have to do any of that. I don't really make a lot of money here on radio, but it's enough to get by because I live a simple life. So it's not really a disorder. But if you define obsessive compulsive disorder, it's—I'm I, I, just bringing my past up to, to to link us to you know this definition of OCD. OCD, in terms of it being a disorder, OC in terms of it being a disorder, is when a person feels compelled to do certain things to alleviate pressures or fear or intrusive thoughts. So I want to take the idea of, of racism in regard to the Graham Hancock story and apply it to that definition of obsessive compulsiveness or obsessive compulsive disorder. When someone feels compelled to do something because it's going to, they hope, alleviate you know fear or you know, intrusive thoughts, so they do things compulsively, like instead of, debating with Graham Hancock. We're discussing what he has to say. We just call him a, a racist and then hope that he goes away. And the way that we call people names like that is an obsessive compulsiveness. We don't want to debate them. We don't want to discuss what they what they've brought to our attention. Uh, we don't want to, to have a conversation. We don't want to be human. We don't want to communicate. We just want to prevent, you know Graham Hancock from filming, take his TV show down, censor him, And call him a racist. I mean, that's the same kind of thing that whether you like Alex Jones or not, that's what they did to Alex Jones. Prevent him from being on certain platforms, call to censor and ban him on everything, and then call him names and then, you know. So basically what you're doing is you're canceling out somebody, you're preventing them from speaking, preventing them from publishing things, preventing them from being able to express their views, and then you are creating this straw man that you can, repre- you can use to represent that person. You can you know, load onto it whatever terrible things you want to load onto it, and then you can burn it down, and people will think that that's justified because, well, he's all these terrible things. And now there, it, it's one thing for that to happen to Alex Jones. It's another thing for that to happen to Graham Hancock. I mean, he's always been criticized, but he should be censored. His show should be taken down. He, he's a racist that doesn't make any sense. You know, sometimes when you call someone a racist, like you can almost kind of maybe see where someone's coming from. If you want to like play with the definition, there's no way to play with the definition of the word racism and have it apply to someone like Graham Hancock at all. In my view, anyway, when, 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 when the Society for American Archaeology referred to his theories as racist. This is part of the cultural obsessive-compulsive disorder. Whether you're an archaeologist or you're just some person on Twitter, you feel compelled to perform certain actions. You feel compelled to be a social justice warrior. You feel compelled to target people based on their views. Why? Because you need to alleviate some kind of fear or some kind of thought or some kind of pressure. What is the fear, What is the thought? What is the pressure? of you being called those things. Of you being labeled as one of those one of those kinds of things, racist, sex, sexist, whatever. That's what that's what the obsessive compulsiveness is. You, you have to obsessively compulsively call people names, degrade them, demean them, defame them, etc, because if you don't do it, someone else will. And if someone else does it, they might call you those things. So you terrify people and they alleviate those fears that they have of being called those names themselves by, well, stereotypically and obsessive compulsively or obsessively compulsively, doing that to other people. And when when you have someone like a Graham Hancock being referred to like he's a racist and he, you know, why is his show allowed on TV, says The Guardian? That's that's a that that is a question that they actually propose. That's not hyperbole. They actually it says, why has this been allowed? Why has this TV show with a preposterous, dangerous theory been allowed on Netflix? The weird thing is nobody's asking that about ancient aliens, you know, right? Nobody's asking that about the dime a dozen ridiculous, stupid TV shows that are on TV every day, every night. Just about this particular show, which you know, kind of indicates maybe that Graham Hancock's onto something. But that's not that's not really the point. The point is to respond in this way. Censorship, racism, can't talk, delete the show, cancel the show. Not that that's going to happen. Netflix has realized that they don't, you know, they're not going to capitulate to the mob anymore. But this is an obsessive compulsiveness is what it is. And furthermore, it's not just obsessive compulsiveness. We've, we, you know, we throw words around like Stockholm syndrome. We throw words around like psychosis or psychopath. But I mean, what is psychosis? It is a mental disorder in which your thoughts and emotions are so impaired that you lose contact with the external world. That's what's happening. It's just like my friend Joe said. Joe said abortion is like now the only issue that matters politically. And we've talked about that here on this show as well. And it's like, yeah, ab- ab- it's not just the, the abortion, you're pro-choice or whatever. It's abortion in the sense that like the whole political system now is divided on whether you're this or that. And it's not just abortion, but abortion's a really great example. If you're not, for abortion in all cases, then you must hate women. If you like ancient apocalypse on Netflix, you believe in racist theories of human, uh, human civilization. Like, what does that even mean? What, what, what does that mean to believe that primitive people weren't so primitive? How is that racist? Isn't that the kind of the opposite of racism? And what primitive people are we talking about? Are we talking about primitive indigenous people in, I mean, like in in Australia, in Europe, where, where are these, you know, in Japan, where are these primitive people? There are all kinds of ethnicities and races and backgrounds and cultures. What's really disgusting and racist and what we shouldn't allow is this, this kind of name calling and this kind of censorship. I mean, the guy's a journalist. He, He even says he's not an archaeologist, and this is how they respond to someone like graham hancock because they're doing to graham hancock what they not that it's going to affect him much but they're doing to graham hancock what they've done to alex jones they're doing to alex jones and you know uh what they're doing to the average person it's the same kind of stuff that we get here on ground zero it's the same kind of stuff that people accuse clyde of people accuse me of you're this or you're that because you said this or you said that or you believe this or you believe that so that makes you this or that not everything is a matching game. That's 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 what these people pretend. It's like, you know, the matching game, you lay the cards out. And you're looking for two things that match. He'll oh, Clyde Lewis said this, so he must be he must be a racist or he must hate Christians because he interpreted the Bible differently than me. Oh, Ryan Gable must be a, a, an atheist because he said he believes some of the Bible is just myth or he believes some of the Bible is just a metaphor. Yeah, but some of the Bible is also true. Does that then make me a Christian again? It just doesn't make any sense. The the people that accuse, which funny enough, going back to the beginning of tonight's show, the accuse or the accuser is also one of the the, um, major hierarchical uh, elements of or in demonology. Uh, When you look at you have the you have like the 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 liars, you have the uh, vessels or the containers, and you have, you know, the, I mean, the whole hierarchy, it's all the different uh, demons and devils and, and all that kind of stuff, which goes back to to last night's show and the AI demons. But the the psychosis that these kind of people suffer from is losing they've lost contact with reality, is the point. And You know, I was thinking, I just, I I like to look up words and see what words mean Um, and look up the, or not just like a dictionary, but look, look up the origin of the word. And you you look at, you look at a word like respect, a word like respect hasn't really been changed or redefined. Uh, A word like respect is defined as such a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Now I respect Graham Hancock for those reasons. He's a, he's a great author, he's a great speaker, um, he's a great researcher, and he's achieved a lot. So I respect Graham Hancock for that. When someone calls you a name like uh, the Society for American Archaeology, these are supposed to be professionals, they call him a racist. They're, they don't care about his, his achievements or what he's researched or what he's found. And I'm just using Graham Hancock as an example. What they care about is the narrative, what he believes. It doesn't matter what someone has done or what someone has accomplished. It's the one thing you do that someone else doesn't like that becomes the defining quality of who you are. And Edward Snowden said this. Remember Edward Snowden said that the system of of the spying and the the National Security Agency and what they do, it, it allows them to go back in time and to take something you did or said in the past, bring it to the present and then use it to destroy everything you've ever done. I mean, this is what the communist Chinese did to their people. This is what Stalin did. I mean, Stalin would go so far as to if if you were in a picture with Stalin and you did something Stalin didn't like, they would literally airbrush you out of history. They were doing Photoshop before Photoshop was a the thing. They would literally delete you from the historical record, which is basically the memory hole in nineteen eighty four. What we shouldn't allow is for the Guardian newspaper to say that we shouldn't allow Graham Hancock's TV show to be on TV. Now now I, I like the TV show, so maybe I'm a little bit biased, but there are certain things too that I also don't think should be censored just because, you know, the political right doesn't like them. So w- what we shouldn't allow is for that kind of censorship. We shouldn't allow for that kind of, of thing to be um, the, the, the immediate reflex reaction response to things that we don't like. And the weird thing is, like, if you, if you just individually talk to somebody, they usually have a different view than the collective. So you've got to start asking, like, what exactly is this collectivized mindset? Who are the people that just get to dictate and, and, and be arbiters of reality? Who gets to decide what is acceptable and what's not acceptable? I, I, I just don't see like an organization that's doing that. It's it just seems like the algorithm. Maybe that's it. The algorithm on social media decides what is acceptable and what is not acceptable and then people just participated in it after the fact. It's kind of like Netflix uses an algorithm to suggest new things for you to watch, right? And most of the time I've used Netflix, I never I don't think I've ever liked anything they recommend me to watch next. It's one thing if you're watching like a history documentary and they recommend another history documentary, you might not like the topic, but at least it's a history documentary. I think a lot of algorithms now they they're programmed, they're designed to recommend essentially what's what's paid for and what's sponsored. So it's not that you're being recommended something based on a, a genre. You're being recommended what they want you to watch. You're not influencing the algorithm. The algorithm is influencing you. It's not this blank slate that you contribute to and then it learns your tastes. Although it certainly does do that, the algorithm is influencing you And telling you what to watch and telling you what to to pay attention to, whether that's news or that's Netflix. It's making the decision for you. So the one track collectivized hive mind thought process is not, I don't think, even so much a result of rabid political psychosis the 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 losing of contact with external reality which is psychosis and the obsessive compulsive way in which people go about alleviating their fear of being called names by calling other people names is a result of the algorithmic elements within social media within the internet and and with what drives society forward like where we get our information from it's not an outpoint of information that that um Organically redefines how we how we interact and how we interpret things and how we get our you know how we get information how we become informed. It's the control of the flow of that information, and it's easier to control the flow of that of of that information when you have you know control over. Uh, you know, it's different than having to go to different newspapers and TV stations and you know send the the script. I mean, this is like information that's provided right to your phone twenty four hours a day. The control of the flow of that information is what sets us on a collectivized one track hive mind thought process, because if there's something that the system or whatever the system is, you know, the media outlets, whatever, don't want you to see, then you don't see it and you don't know what's going on. I mean, the, the, the Carrie Lake lawsuits here in Arizona is a great example. Uh, they're going to hear the case this week. Uh, the judge has allowed uh, her legal team to take 150 ballots randomly out of three different categories. The only reason you hear that is because if you have to follow the case really, you know, closely. Otherwise, the media has told us Carrie Lake's gonna to have to pay the legal fees. The court has thrown the lawsuit out. But the lawsuit hasn't been thrown out. She's not paying the legal fees for 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 everybody. But this is they just they lie. So if you don't follow it closely, you don't know anything. That's what creates the hive mind, collectivized thought process. So when someone comes forward and says, hey, I have a different idea, I have a different viewpoint, people don't know how to process it because, but, but the, the computer told me that that's not true. The, 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 the algorithm gave me my news, and the news says that that's not true. You're lying. You're a conspiracy theorist. You're a racist. There's no debating, no discussing. No conversing, no community. I mean, back to last night's show, this is this is separating people in a way where the AI algorithms for the art, right, that create the art based on things humans have created. Those algorithms are taking and consuming human energy. They are becoming more human and what they are consuming, the soul, the spirit, the energy is making humans more machine like. And it's not just with art or AI-generated art. It's also with news and how we get information. Same thing hap- happens with, you know, every day we wake up and we look at our phones or we look at the Internet and we see information and news. you got to dig beyond that, obviously. You as listeners know that. But in the same way the AI art is making the, the, the machine, if you will, more human and making humans more machine-like, the flow of information is doing the same. It's making us robotic. It's making us respond to, ironically, binary impulses. That This is, I think, why we, we, we're we so collectivized in this hive mind of, of thought. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere.
1: You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, for give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings or visit the
0: website at www.thesecretteachings.info If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical... A historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info.
1: you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself.
0: folks
1: this is jordan maxwell and you're listening to the secret teachings excellent shows with your host ryan gable think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl up through
0: the fall back to me attention you are tuned into restricted airspace tune out immediately this is the frequency of the secret teachings on ground zero radio This is Freddie Silver, and you are listening to the Secret Teachings Radio with your host, Ryan Gable. Are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio? I'm your host, Ryan Gable. You can catch the show Monday through Friday, five nights a week, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, on groundzero.radio and the Aftermath FM app. If you missed part of tonight's show, or if you'd like to listen again, or any of our other shows, if you missed them, or you'd like to listen to them again, just search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player or app, and you should be able to find the show pretty easily. Or you can visit our website and you'll find the free archive there, www.thesecretteachings.info. If you have the financial means, it's not very expensive at all for the whole year. You can subscribe to the show, get access to the montages, the digital books to read and download, and to our private RSS feed. Visit our website and subscribe today. It is discounted for the whole year, $40. You get all of that. And that is on the website at thesecretteachings.info again. It is our end of the year, Christmas, holiday, holy day, Black Friday special deal, which will be active until, well, another 10 or so days, uh, until around January 1st. Sometimes people contact me like a day after a sale, and they're like, can I still take advantage of it? And, And usually I say, yeah, but... When i going to cut it off on January 1st, um, so if you want to subscribe, that is uh, the cutoff date for the reduced cost for the next year. Again, the website www.thesecretteachings.info, and if you'd like to contact me for any reason, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Just as AI-generated art consumes creative energy to become more human, as we talked about last night, Humans become more mechanical in the process. Algorithms direct our attention by suggesting what we will be interested in watching or listening to. In essence, human consciousness in this way is reduced to a binary system of zeros and ones. Every conversation, every interaction, every debate is reduced to this binary code. It's a type of programming where an automatic responses. Can be interpreted based on the input of an operator. For example, if I take a calculator and I type in 1 plus 1, I know that if I click the equal button, it's going to say 2. No matter how many times I type 1 plus 1 in, unless you have one of those Orwellian calculators, uh, if every time you type 1 plus 1 in, you're going to get the answer 2. Every time you're typing something on Microsoft Word and you hit the enter button, you're going to bump down a space. That's the programmed reaction. That's how it works. If I click on the, um, the uh, sound button on my computer, I can turn the sound up or down. It's not going to turn the, the lighting up or down. It's going to turn the sound up or down. That's just that it's pretty simple. You know, push the button. There's a reaction. It's very simple to understand. might even sound like a silly example. But you can do this with humans as well. This binary system of conversation, interaction, and debate is based on programming where the automatic responses can be generated uh, based on the input of the operator. And we know that pretty much anything that conflicts with the ever-changing narrative... Anything that conflicts with the day to day alterations and what yesterday apparently made sense, today doesn't make sense. What yesterday was offensive is not offensive today, etc. But what changes day to day, what changes minute by minute in some cases, you know, what is considered acceptable, what is considered, you know, the, the narrative, what's okay to believe, what's okay to say, what's not okay to say, etc. All of this. If you understand you know, the, the, the idea that I'm expressing here, it's, it's a program. So you can input information into that program, and you know the response that you're going to get. You see this in memes all the time. The response that you're going to get is a certain kind of reaction. And you're going to get this reaction out of people. It doesn't matter what the politics are. But if, if as I've said, if you were to say, you know, Kanye West or Yay. Um, maybe he's a little crazy, but I don't think it's because he said that Hitler did good things. Hitler did do good things. That's just an objective fact. Doesn't mean he didn't do bad things. It's just an objective fact. He did good things. By uh, agreeing with that, you know that people have this reflex programmed reaction. You know how people are going to react. You can you can b- pretty much script how they're going to react. They're going to call you all kinds of names and they're going to tell you you're all kinds of terrible things and that's how they're going to respond that is a when you know that someone is going to respond in that way like pushing the inner key on a keyboard that person is severely severely lacking the ability to tap into their real conscious self something is possessing them they are literally brainwashed and programmed to respond in that way in the same way that you know you know that if you were to ask somebody, I mean, I've done it before. And granted, it's not you know 99.9% of people. It's probably 95% of people. But generally speaking, if you went up to somebody who was wearing a mask and you said, I'm just curious why you're wearing a mask, people panic and freak out. It just happened to me recently. I didn't even ask this woman why she was wearing a mask. I was on the phone with a friend of mine, and this woman said, can you get off the phone? Can you stop talking on the phone? It's bothering me. And it, it wasn't like I'm in a quiet restaurant. I was in a very loud store. And this woman says this to me. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking on the phone as, uh, as, as soon as you take that mask off and stop spreading mold and fungus and bacteria. Like, Why are you even wearing that mask? She just the woman freaks out and leaves the store, like literally has a freak out, like starts shaking. That's the I know that's the program reaction and if i say oh oh i'm so sorry yes I'll, I'll 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 do what you want me to do just like when people used to say put on a mask or you can't come in here oh sure i'll do what you need me to do and want me to do right now i'm so sorry i wasn't doing it before they feel you know like they've they've done something good and and their reaction is very binary again it, it, this this is the same thing you get doesn't matter what the issue is you talk about abortions it's a very binary issue right you either Believe that abortion should be legal in every case whatsoever, that it should be on demand or you hate women, which is an outrageous thing to say, because if you like women, (laughs) whatever that's supposed to mean um, as a man, I like women. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Uh, If you like women, you know, if you believe women have rights, which I, I don't know what kind of barbarian doesn't think people don't have rights, then you would probably not be an advocate for abortion. You'd be an advocate for information. You'd be an advocate for like safe sex and responsibility. You'd be an advocate for a woman having a child, which is like a, a, a superpower I don't have as a man, and you'd be in favor of breastfeeding, which is a superpower I don't have as a man. Uh, you'd be in favor of that strength, which is a strength I don't have as a man. You'd be enamored with that, that feminine quality, which I am as a man, and you would want... A woman to have a child, you would want to have a family. That's just you know a natural thing. You you wouldn't tell women that you know limiting abortion is an abortion ban when it's actually an abortion protection. Uh, When that's in a democracy, how we decide, we meet in the middle and we say, okay, well this this is the agreement. You don't tell people that you know. That abortion in all cases is pro-choice. It's not pro-choice. Abortion in all cases is mandatory abortion. It's the only option. But again, that argument is reduced to a binary debate, a binary discussion. You either agree or you're bad. Simple as that. Same thing with climate change. You either agree that the climate is changing because humans are driving cars or, well, again, you're a bad person. You don't like the environment. You don't like the climate, you know, whatever these statements are supposed to mean. It's extremely binary. If you don't want to drive an electric car because you can't afford one, then you're a bigot. Hell, you're a racist. You're all these terrible things. I just read this article from Politico. It says New York passes this is the whole state of New York. New York passes sweeping plan to reduce emissions and lead the way on solving climate change. How are they going to do that cap and invest programs? How does the cap-and-trade system work? Well, if you're wealthy, you can purchase allowance to spew greenhouse gases. If you're not wealthy, well, you can't do anything. So who does that benefit? The wealthy or the poor? It benefits the wealthy, not the poor. But that doesn't matter. You hate the environment if you don't want to give what amounts to a free pass to multinational corporations and banks and wealthy people and allow the poor people to suffer as a result you must hate the environment right I mean here's 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 another interesting angle to that I've worked in produce before Um, I've never been a produce manager my fiance is a produce manager she's pretty good at what she does and I'm not math like numbers and math numbers to me doesn't I can't really calculate numbers very well so I don't I didn't want to do a management position ever in produce because I don't want to have to calculate prices and, you know, prices change all the time and all that. I didn't want to ever have to do that. Pretty simple, though. It's a little formula. And, and you know, this is what, you know, she does. She as produce manager. And, um, you know, prices go up. You have to adjust uh, what you're ordering and you have to adjust, you know, how many what, what is being sold and, you know, all these little basic economic things. Uh, and I just read this article That says, this is um, uh, figures from the Department of Labor. Vegetable prices in the United States up 40% as of last month. Why? Climate change. Vegetables are expensive because of climate change. Really? So climate change just started affecting us the year that we have record inflation. It's magical how that happens. And if you disagree that climate change is the reason vegetables are expensive, then obviously you're a bigot and you deny that the climate is real. You hate the climate. It's a binary way of thinking. Look at Graham Hancock. If anybody knows Graham Hancock, I would owe you a a, a huge debt. If you could get in contact with Mr. Hancock, I would love to have him on the show. He's one of my favorite speakers, one of my favorite authors. I've met the guy Uh, a few times. He's so kind. Him and his wife are so nice. Uh, And, you know, you've probably seen Graham Hancock on, you know, uh, Joe Rogan or you've heard him on uh, Art Bell, those old shows. One person never got to interview. Um, Read Graham Hancock's book Underworld recently. I'm almost done with that. I Actually just read through uh, Fingerprints of the Gods and, you know, got his his other stuff and always like Graham Hancock. Graham Hancock, however, for his new Netflix show, was not allowed to film at Serpent Mound in Ohio. I mean, they filmed outside, but they weren't allowed to film at the mound because the people that preserve the mound believe that his interpretation of the mound is wrong, and so they won't let him film there and ask questions. Although in the email they say that his views essentially conflict with their interpretation. So why is their interpretation correct and his interpretation is wrong? So they prevented him from filming. And then the Guardian newspaper, this is a viral post. You've probably seen this all over the internet. Ancient Apocalypse, Graham Hancock's new Netflix show, is the most dangerous show on Netflix. The most dangerous show. It's a preposterous theory. Why has it been allowed? Here's a newspaper that's all about free speech asking, why has Graham Hancock been allowed to ask these questions? So he's... Prevented from filming. He's essentially, they're calling to censor and cancel his show. And then, this one's ridiculous. The Society for American Archaeology, uh, this was November 30th. I just saw this letter, though, a couple days ago. The Society for American Archaeology is saying that his theories, which suggest that primitive man wasn't so primitive and that there is an ancient civilization. Human society, human civilization was much more uh, advanced prior to the Younger Dryas period around the time of the last ice age. than then we tend to think, which isn't really that preposterous of a theory. And he suggests that a lot of the evidence for this, a lot of it has been found. A lot of it's in the, the land mass that's gone underwater as a result of the melting of the ice. The Society for American Archaeology says he's a racist. They don't even try to debate him. They don't even try to discuss it. Just you can't film here. Your show should be taken off air. You're a racist. Never heard Graham Hancock referred to as a racist. I've heard him referred to as a as a pseudo archaeologist, even though he's not an archaeologist. And he states that I've heard him referred to in a bunch of other derogatory terms, but never as a racist. He's not that it matters, but he's in a mixed race marriage. What, what, what is wrong with these people? That's the binary thinking. And the irony of all of this is when you go back and you look at the abortion discussion, what's actually anti-woman, what's actually, you know, the the hatred for women and femininity is making abortion the only solution to 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 a woman's perceived problems or created problems or whatever it is, you know, basically taking away a a womanhood and telling a woman that having an abortion is a moral, virtuous thing to do. That's actually anti-woman telling people that in order to save the environment, here's a good example, all over Tucson, the last, I don't know if this is a new thing or I've just never seen it before, it's just kind of coincidental. I've seen, I saw someone in like a, a Prius, which I like I like Priuses, you know, it's a, it's a hybrid. I saw someone in a Prius and I saw someone in a, in a Jeep and they were driving, same stickers in the back of the car, they, you know, vote for Joe Biden, which I'd never actually seen a Joe Biden sticker before, but both these cars had, uh, uh, something about how they were, you know, they were against uh, open pit mining. And I thought for a second, again, okay, I guess I don't know how you define open pit mining, but like you, you're pro-environment, save the planet, they climate change stickers on their car. But, and you're against open pit mining, but you're for, you know, based on the stickers on their car, they're they're for electric vehicles. How can you be for electric vehicles when you're against open pit mining? How can you be for electric vehicles, but you're against ripping, you know, ripping Mother Earth uh, to to, to shreds? I don't How how can you believe these two contradictory things at once? Call it cognitive dissonance, call it whatever. It's part of the binary thinking process. And how exactly can you call someone? You know, you can accuse someone of hating the environment, not wanting, you know, not wanting there to to be a clean world or, you know, they talk, people talk about pollution, whatever, but you you must hate the environment. You must hate the climate and you're responsible for it. If you don't drive an electric car that you can't afford, it's like, I, I don't, you know, I also, as, as, as a individual, I, you know, I tend to, uh, compost, um, try to live minimally, uh, you know, for a long, long, long time, most of my adult life, I took the bus or I walked everywhere. And I mean, studies show that people who do those things without talking about climate change, they do them sincerely. And people that believe in climate change and want government to interact and, 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 and intervene, uh, they're the least likely to do all of those things. They just want government to do it for them. So again, it's binary thinking. I, in fact, I think what's happening here is if you're for open pit mining, or you're against open-pit mining rather, you're, you're against open-pit mining and then you're for electric cars, you're the one that doesn't like the environment. You're the one that has an issue. You're the one that's not informed. You're the one that has a problem. So if you're like for pro-abortion in all circumstances, you're the one that's actually anti-woman. If you're for electric cars, you're the one that actually doesn't care about the environment or pollution. If you're telling... Graham Hancock, that he's a racist because he suggests that indigenous and primitive peoples were much less primitive than we tell, you know, you know, students in school that they are. They were much more advanced. They knew about, you know, building techniques. Uh, They knew about math and geometry and things that like, you know, we don't even learn until we get into the last years of high school or we go into college. You know, these primitive people knew these things and they built sophisticated things that stood the test of time and nature to say that they're not primitive, that actually kind of sounds like the opposite of racism. It's not stereotyping or demeaning people. It's actually elevating them out of the historical, uh, you know, um, basement, if you will, where they're just kind of written off as these primitive, dumb people. It's actually quite racist to suggest that they are primitive when the evidence suggests the opposite. So again, you know, pro-abortion in all circumstances is very anti-woman and, Drive an electric vehicle to save the environment, but then you're against open pit mining. But how do you think they get the materials for the cars, for the electric batteries, for the electric cars? And how do you think they're going to charge those things? Like you're actually anti-environment, anti-climate, whatever that means. And saying that primitive people weren't so primitive, they were actually very intelligent, very wise. Their, their, their texts, their oral traditions and, their, and the structures they built prove that. That's the opposite of racism. But this is all binary thinking, and it's an obsessive-compulsive psychosis, constantly referring to other people as, as terrible names or accusing them of something or putting them into a box or a category to alleviate the pressure that you feel, to alleviate the fear that you have of being put into those same categories or you know positions. And, 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 and psychosis is when, I mean, this isn't just a word I'm throwing around. If you define the word, it's a mental disorder where your thoughts and emotions are are literally so impaired and distorted, you lose contact with reality. You lose total contact with reality. That's what's happening. With the people that act this way. Now, the one track collectivized hive mind thought process I've mentioned tonight several times It is very similar to the AI-generated art we discussed last night. AI-generated art consumes creative energy, the soul and the spirit. That is one of the ways I define art. It's human expression, consciousness, energy, etc. So the machines, if you will, become more human. That makes humans more mechanical. It takes the life force out of us. In the same way that that is, as we talked about last night, that's what's happening with AI-generated art. Algorithms... Direct our attention, you know, like Netflix and our phones by showing us what we would be interested in listening to watching whatever. Now, the algorithms are supposed to learn what we like and then suggest things to us. And that certainly is, you know, baseline, you know, mundane uh, side of this. But algorithms can also be designed so that what's suggested to us is what's well, what's paid for what's being there. Essentially it's promoting it. Oh, you'd like this because you watched something else. Like I've seen things like that on Netflix before you would like uh, you know, stupid example, but you'd like queer eye for the straight guy or something because, you know, you watched um, this documentary on, uh, I don't know, old cars. It's like, what is the relationship between, between these two things? There's what are they, what is it? What is this? You know, I mean, maybe like in some cases it's because a director did something, it, two different stories, but it's the same director. I get that. But like that, that is the kind of algorithmic thing that gets placed into my Twitter feed, my Facebook feed. Anytime I go on to the Internet to find news, it's just like things that that's there's no way that's what's trending. That's not that's why not what people are interested in that. I don't believe that. The algorithm is directing our attention, our energy, by suggesting what we would be what we would be interested in watching or listening to. In essence, human consciousness, because of the control of the flow of that information, is reduced to this binary system of zero, one, zero, one. Every interaction we have, every conversation, every debate is reduced to that binary code. It's a type of programming where an automatic responses are interpreted based on the input of the operator. So you discuss abortion, you discuss climate change, you discuss racism, and you know how people are going to react. If you don't religiously, zealously believe what they believe and you have a different interpretation, a different perspective, you know what their reaction is going to be. You know what people are going to call you. You know how people are going to react. And that's a scary prospect. That means that when you say someone is brainwashed, that's not that's not um, hyperbole. It's not an exaggeration. That's literal. They're literally brainwashed with programming. I mean, ultimately, everything is, you know, binary in some sense, right? Because everything is, you know, male and female in nature, uh, yin yang, uh, yad yum, which is the Indian version. And of course, input, output. Action, reaction. Okay, so everything is obviously binary in that capacity. But binary thinking is not how humans think naturally. Binary thinking is a program. Binary thinking is this or that, and there's no in-between. Binary thinking is like the basis of virtually every political conversation, not just political conversation, but any kind of conversation, any kind of debate, any kind of topic, any kind of discussion. I'm sure you have people in your life that you know that have experienced this. I have friends that, you know, they have been excommunicated from their family because they wouldn't receive a COVID-19 vaccine. People that have been disowned by their family because, not even because they voted for Donald Trump, but just because they don't hate Donald Trump. What is that? You know, anything could tear a family apart, right? Anything could tear a family apart. But more families have been decimated because someone voted for the opposite political party. More families have been decimated, not just because of that. It's not even political parties. It's just because of one figure, Donald Trump. It's just because of a vaccine. I know people that they're not allowed to go and see their family. Their parents don't want to see them unless they get a vaccine and a booster. What the hell is wrong? What is going on here? Binary thinking, one track, collectivized thought processes. That's what it is. No ability to see beyond. No ability. I mean, I think everybody has an ability to do, uh, to to create things, to build things, to work hard, to achieve. But some people have been brainwashed and have been programmed and are unable to actually do that. They have been retarded. They have been stunted. I'm not talking about a retarded person. I'm talking about they have been retarded. They've been stunted. And they don't actually have any longer the because the consciousness is gone. That's why people look at you like drones. They look at you like agents in the matrix. They're just, they're gone. And And, and no matter how much evidence you present to the contrary, they know that they can win the argument because they just, well, they, 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 you say zero, they say one. They won. There's no sense of respect for the self or for other people or for property or for hard work or for anything. We used to at least respect the people that we disagreed with, be able to debate them. We used to have some feeling of admiration uh, for people's abilities or qualities or achievements. That's what respect is. We don't even have that for ourselves now. We're all in goblin mode, right? We take pride in having no pride. We take pride in being, well, consumed by the seven deadly sins. We take pride in floating around on our little chairs like Wally, on our one track collectivized hive mind thought processes where everything is reduced to binary thinking. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Another segment coming up after this, the final one tonight rdgable at yahoo.com the secret teachings.info please uh, grab a copy of one of my books subscribe check out the archive on the website we'll be right back you're listening to the secret teachings for more information on the show or to contact
1: ryan visit the secret teachings.info or email ryan at rdgable
0: Hey, this is John Peasy at Johnpeasy.com and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Where you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with ryan gable thanks ryan this is david knight with the david knight show.com and you're listening to the secret teaching broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal a collection of question marks no reason no explanation just a prolonged nightmare in which fear loneliness and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows it's the secret teachings on ground zero radio You know, I would define consciousness or the soul or the spirit ideas and topics we discuss in my book, The Technological Elixir. I would define these things as the very essence of what it means to be human. The very essence of what it means to be the animated element of the physical body, which is gross matter, material, the meat suit, whatever you want to call it. Consciousness, the ability to express yourself yourself to create things beautiful things usually art to build things etc that is what it means to be human that is essentially what the human is uh, we are creative forces we are call us extensions of god or whatever you you choose to to put into the category of you know god or the divine or the universe or whatever and as i said last night we have ai generated art and AI-generated things that are based off of what humans have already created. So the AI-generated art, the algorithms are basically consuming what we've created, and then they are creating their own thing. And although it might be cool, it it is just taking things humans have done and turning them into an AI creation, in in essence, because it's learning through patterns, it's learning through the programming. And that makes humans more mechanical while the machines essentially become more human-like. In the same way, algorithms direct our attention by suggesting what we're going to be interested in listening to, what we're going to be interested in watching, what we're going to be interested in in general. And when we allow the algorithm to make those decisions for us, whether we think the algorithm is is unbiased or not, uh, human consciousness is reduced to a binary system of zeros and ones, ones and zeros, zeros and ones, ones and zeros. Everything we do is reduced to a binary system. Everything we do is reduced to binary code. It's a type of programming where you, if you understand the code, is pretty simple, then you know how people are going to react to certain things. You know how people are going to react when you say certain words, when you make certain statements, when you express certain political views. You know how people are going to react when you talk about abortion. You're either on their side or you're not. And if you're not, then you hate women. Even though if you're pro-abortion in every single case and you believe in open abortion, no restrictions, it's essentially mandatory abortion because then there's no other option. And you don't teach about self-respect and responsibility and having a healthy relationship and the beauty and the wonders of having uh, you know childbirth and and breastfeeding and having a child you know things that men can't do the people that are pro abortion in all cases that mandatory abortion that that really is anti-woman same thing with like climate change right you don't want to drive an electric car you must hate the environment you can't afford an electric car you must hate the environment doesn't make any sense you know you don't you don't want to pollute the planet because that leads to global warming, but you're totally fine with basically just ripping r- raw, rare materials and, and and metals out of the earth to build the batteries for the electric cars. As long as you don't have to see it happen, you know, you can drive your car down to Whole Foods and, you know, get your expensive food and go to your back to your expensive house and everything is okay. You don't have to deal with the consequences. You can just feel morally superior because you support abortion or because you you know, believe that the climate is changing and you drive an electric car, so you've done your part, which gives you moral license to be a more ridiculous uh, and disgusting person. It's the same thing in like if you study, you know, like weight loss and diet, the people that say, well, if I, you know, do a little extra walking today, then I can have a pizza tomorrow. I mean, you, you give yourself moral licensing to do things that are more harmful to you rather than just being consistent about it. The people that say that they care about the environment are people that are least likely to do things that are actually beneficial to the environment. That's just across the board. The people that tell you how much they care about poor, innocent people are the ones that tend to be the liars and the thieves and the cheaters and this, and, and, and all those things. And it's just, just psychological fact, if you will. It's, it's just a fact. People that have to constantly express who they are in in those ways, they're they're usually psychotic. They're disconnected from reality. They're not good people, so they have to keep telling you they're good people because they have to convince you and convince themselves rather than actually acting in a way that people could interpret like, oh, they're a good person. They're actually doing this. Instead, we just say that we're doing these things, which brings us to racism. People like Graham Hancock are being called racist by the Society for American Archaeology. Why? Because he believes a lot of indigenous myths, legends and stories are actually real. They tell an actual historical account of something. How does that make him racist? Because he says primitive people weren't so primitive that they were a lot more technologically advanced, spiritually advanced than we give them credit for. Wouldn't that kind of make the Society for American Archaeology the racist? Wouldn't that make these people in academia, the ones that say, oh, these people were stupid and dumb, we're smart today, they were dumb, doesn't that kind of make them racist? But, but like, well, who are we talking about, too? Like, the, the, what Graham Hancock proposes is that we're talking about a, basically a global civilization. Uh, things, I mean, whether you, you go to India, you go to Asia, you go to the Americas, same kind of things were built, same kind of beliefs were, were held and preserved. We're not talking about a singular race. So what is, what is that? How can the SAA call Graham Hancock a racist? Because it's just binary thought, right? It's the same thing with vaccines. Any vaccine, not just COVID-19, but any vaccine. I read an article. This is this is just unbelievable. Uh, NBC News, it says POTS, P-O-T-S. It's a um, uh, heart condition. Uh, and it's like a tachycardia syndrome. It's a heart condition that is, according to NBC News, linked to COVID. Okay, that's interesting. So it says research published, this was a week ago, research published last Monday has confirmed a link between a COVID infection and a debilitating heart condition called POTS, or Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome, that has been diagnosed in some patients with long COVID. The findings published in the journal Nature Cardiovascular Research are in line with early reports from physicians that COVID may trigger POTS, a disorder of the automatic nervous system often characterized by a rapid heart rate, low blood pressure, fainting, and lightheadedness. Physicians often fail to recognize the condition, according to experts. Many patients spend years trying to get properly diagnosed, and it goes on and on and and, and kind of explains uh, the condition and the situation. So let's briefly address that. Uh, people can test positive for COVID-19, right? Because they have a particle in their body and the test isn't testing for the virus. It's testing for uh, things that are associated with the virus. You know, you don't think a fireman set the fire because he's at the scene of the, the fire. Um, it could have been an arsonist. It could have been a, you know, a gas stove. It could have been someone fell asleep with a cigarette in their mouth. It could have been a lot of things, but it probably wasn't the fireman. So you find things in association with, and they say, well, that's what's causing the disease. And at no point, this is just wild to me, at no point do the people that believe compulsively in the COVID-19 narrative, at no point do they ever address lifestyle decisions. Likewise, this is what's wild to me, the people that are opposed to the COVID-19 narrative, like people you would think uh, would listen to shows like mine, because I question things, also tend to disagree with me because, and, and not only that, but they tend to agree more so with the mainline narrative of COVID-19, even though they disagree with it, because they also don't think that lifestyle could play any part in the reason people die. In other words, you either are dying of a virus that has not still been proven to cause a specific set of symptoms, or you're dying from the vaccine. At no point do either side say, hold on a second, maybe personal lifestyle decisions are responsible for this. That's wild to me. Heart disease is one of the leading killers in the world, particularly in Western developed nations. Heart disease, all kinds of different types of heart conditions, uh, not, not just traditional heart disease uh, and and things like POTS, uh, various other kinds of, of, of Tachycardia like things, heart palpitations, these things can be caused in large part by alcohol, by stress, by I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not a proponent of telling people not to eat gluten, uh, but I have a gluten sensitivity. Sincerely, I'm not I don't have celiac disease, but I have a sensitivity that's different than celiac. And if I eat gluten, I I get kind of sick. So, you know, gluten can cause heart issues and sensitivities if people have a sensitivity to it. Uh, caffeine, coffee, chocolate, uh, you know, stress and anxiety. A lot of things can cause heart problems. But people say, no, it's just the vaccine or it's just the virus. Both of those theories or ideas are are ludicrous because if you get rid of the COVID vaccine, you get rid of COVID-19 as a disease. People were still dying at the rate of about 2000 people a day in the United States alone from what is almost completely, exclusively preventable and reversible heart disease? That's not even my opinion. That's official mainline medicine says you can prevent and reverse most of this stuff with lifestyle changes. So we went from two thousand people on average dying every single day. The numbers vary. It's like six hundred something thousand a year. It, it's kind of, but it's it's over half a million a year baseline dying of preventable, reversible heart disease alone. When the virus becomes mainline news, the binary thinking is, well, it can only be the virus. That's why people have heart disease. The binary thinking of the alternative media is, well, it must just be the vaccine. That's why people are dying. That's why people have heart issues. And certainly, there's no doubt about it, certainly myocarditis, pericarditis, and POTS. These are conditions that can be caused by the vaccine. There's no debating that unless you're delusional. But that doesn't mean everybody who has these heart problems have them because of the vaccine. Sometimes people's heart conditions could be exacerbated by the vaccine, certainly. And and absolutely, it could be exacerbated not by the vaccine or the virus, but from the stress of worrying about, oh, my God, I'm going to catch a virus. Oh, my God, I'm going to get a vaccine or somebody's shedding on me. Those things make people scared. Those people, those things terrify people that can give you heart palpitations. That can make it hard to breathe. That can that can do a lot of things. Stress and anxiety can kill you literally. Heart and uh, heart heart disease can be caused by stress and anxiety. You can have a heart attack from being too stressed out. Isn't that like the classic thing in like a movie or something? Someone gets scared, they grab their chest, they fall down, they die of a heart attack. You scared them. You scared them to death. People can literally be scared to death. I mean, even mainline medicine recognizes broken heart syndrome. You can you can die because you have a broken heart. You can die because you're scared. Your your heart is a powerful thing. And it's not just physical. It's energetically in a spiritual sense. But no, it's just a virus or it's just a vaccine, right? So you read through this article. And they're talking about the journal Nature Cardiovascular Research. People with long COVID have POTS and other heart problems. But then you keep reading and they're like, oh, but also POTS was linked to this is. A, I'm going to read you the quote from NBC News. POTS was also linked to COVID vaccines with mRNA vaccine or COVID vaccination with an mRNA vaccine, according to the new study. So in the study where they say POTS is caused by COVID, refusing or neglecting to acknowledge that things like POTS are caused by more than a virus, and people were suffering from these kinds of things long before the, the virus in the same way that people that believe that the vaccine causes all these problems don't acknowledge that these things existed before vaccines and before the virus and before the COVID vaccine in particular, now we get to the part in the story where they say, actually, COVID vaccines also cause POTS. So I'm really confused here. Does the vaccine cause it or does the virus cause it? Has no doctor been able to recognize that it's caused by something else. If the vaccine and people that get the virus, and we don't know how many people have actually received the vaccine, but also tested positive. So maybe the vaccine is causing most of these cases, right? That's another thing too. Like, well, vaccines, that they, they they make some people sick. Finally, they, a couple people get sick. You know, but how, how many of the people that are getting sick, they, they, they that, that they don't tell us whether or not they were vaccinated? How many people are actually really sick, they weren't sick until they got the vaccine, then they get the vaccine, then they're really sick, and then they test positive for COVID. But those people, we don't count their COVID cases in association with the vaccine, they just have COVID. And then they use those cases to promote the vaccine, even though the vaccine's what made them sick in the first place. This is just a big game of statistics and wordplay and very, very polarizing binary thinking. So if the vaccine can cause POTS, and people with COVID-19 get POTS, then there's probably another explanation for it. And it's probably not the virus. And although it might be a little more of the vaccine, it's probably not really the vaccine either. And then here's another one. When is the best time to test for COVID-19 before holiday gatherings? And the first line in this article says, it's officially holiday season in the United States, and unfortunately, respiratory virus season as well. Respiratory virus season, right? What is respiratory virus season? Well, with the flu and with respiratory diseases raging in the United States, killing children left and right, what do they call this? They call this the triple dimmick. And how do you combat a triple dimmick of the flu and respiratory viruses, RSV, and COVID-19? Well, you just go back to wearing a mask. And that's not my opinion. And that's not a joke. It's not, you know. It's that's what the New York Times says. The triple demic holiday. How to fly more safely. Uh, here's another one. This one's also the New York Times. Which viruses at this time New Yorkers are sick of being sick? Listen to this. For almost a month now, Sean Merriam uh, has been walking around town with a stuffy nose and a mysterious cough that keeps clattering in his lungs. He knows it's not COVID-19 because he tests regularly. And it's not the flu, which he recovered from a few weeks ago. The culprit may be RSV, which has been surging this season. But he's not sure. It could be anything, really. COVID-19 is like the ultimate binary thinking. Everything that happens to the human being is a result of COVID-19. Every single thing. And everything can cause COVID-19, right? Everything can, can, can be a result of SARS-CoV-2. And now, as we move into the triple-demic, they call it, the, this winter, RSV and COVID-19, the flu, some people aren't sick with, with these three viruses. So what are they sick with, the New York Times asks. It could be anything. It, it's a series of, 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 of mysterious illnesses circulating the city. It's, it's just a GD joke. People get stuffy noses and coughs because the weather changes. I'm here in Tucson, Arizona, where it's hot most of the time. Uh, we get like mid-December through early January, a couple of weeks of really cold weather. Although if you're here up north, it's not really that cold. But, you know, it's been like I woke up this morning. It's 58 degrees in the house. I'm freezing. Actually, right now I've got one of those heated blankets on me because I'm I'm freezing at fifty something degrees. I'm a Florida man. I'm like an alligator. I need that hot weather, and um, we get a little tiny bit of, tiny bit of uh, of cold weather here, and I wake up, my throat's sore. I have like a little bit of that clearing that I got to do in my throat every little you know every every little while. Um, You know, my my skin's a lot drier. That's what happens when the weather and I'm just I'm in a warm climate, and that happens to me. When I lived in Rochester, I had like almost like psoriasis on my arms. It was just so dry all the time and cold. That's just the weather. And the New York Times honestly asks, well, if it's not RSV, it's not COVID-19, it's not the flu, what could it be? I don't know the weather changing. The fact that during this time of the year, really from Halloween until New years when people start going to the gym for a couple of days and then stop people eat a lot more food and they eat a lot of processed food and they eat a lot of you know candies and chocolates and gravies and you know giant you know hams and turkeys people eat a lot of stuff pies and cookies and cakes and they drink a lot of coffees and sugary hot chocolates and although i think you know i i don't like meat and i Don't like processed sugar. Normally, I would be much more aggressive about my stance on it. I don't care what you drink or eat. The point is, that's why people don't feel good. Those seasons change. The the, the environment around you changes. You eat differently on average, and you eat a lot more on average, and you eat a lot of things that aren't really technically food on average. But we live in a world where literally we're asking, well, if it's not COVID-19, what are people sick with? I mean, even mainline virology, aren't there like thousands and thousands and millions and millions of viruses? This is what we said for the last three years. Does everything have to be COVID-19? Now they're allowing RSV and the flu to be culprits. But other than that, we don't know what's causing the sickness. And 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 what is the sickness anyway? The New York Times article, they're like, this guy, Sean Merriam, has been walking around with a stuffy nose and coughing. His lungs have been clattering. He's sick. He's not sick. That's how the body responds to weather changes. That's how the body responds to cold, dry air. Your throat gets dry. Your throat gets sore. You cough. Your nose is stuffy and runny. If it's cold enough outside, your snot will dry into little icicles. This is just the most unbelievable thing. And it gets more unbelievable every day. For three years, almost, it's like everything is COVID-19. It can't be a car wreck. It can't be a fentanyl overdose. It can't be people that are getting sick, even with other diseases. It just, it's all COVID. And if you don't believe it's COVID and you believe it's some other virus, then you're still a conspiracy theorist. You're still a denier of science. Even people that believe in viral theory, viral contagion theory, believe in germ theory, people like that. Mainline average people are like, it's not everything's COVID-19. Shut up, racist and bigot. What does that even mean? And now it's the same thing with he has a stuffy nose and a cough. Okay. Most people do it in this time of the year, even in warm climates. It, it, well, it's not COVID-19. It's not the flu. It's, it's not RSV. So what is it? It, it? It's the weather. It's the food you're eating. It, it, and, and even if it wasn't those things, it could be another virus. It could be anything. It, it, literally, there are like millions of viruses. So it could be any of that. This is—I mean, this is—you can see, sense my frustration. Probably this is like ridiculous talk and, and talk about anti-science. This is the binary thinking, being pro-abortion in every case, all circumstances is really mandatory <coughs> mandatory abortion. You so got to clear my throat. <coughs> Must be some mysterious disease. It's it's abortion in every case. It's mandatory abortion. It's stripping femininity. And womanhood from women and, and and people that just don't know any better. These are young girls that are brainwashed. Same thing with climate change. And don't give me that rape stuff, by the way. Okay, 500 women on average in every state are raped and get pregnant every year. Most of them, most of them uh, have abortions and there's no issue with those abortions. And they only account for less than 1% of all abortions when abortion was, you know, quote, federally protected. So don't give me that crap. Second of all, climate change. You don't want to drive an electric car. You hate the environment, right? You're not pro-abortion in every case. You hate women, right? If you like ancient apocalypse, totally unrelated to all this other stuff we're talking about, the TV show on Netflix, then the Guardian says you're dangerous. And the Society of American Archaeology says you're a racist. What does that even mean you're a racist because you like Graham Hancock? I've got every one of Graham Hancock's books. I guess I'm a I'm the I'm one of his biggest, you know, racist supporters. What does that even mean? They that literally the Society for American Archaeology says Graham Hancock promotes racist theories because he believes primitive people weren't as primitive as we say they were. Isn't that the opposite of racism? <laughs> isn't that the isn't isn't like supporting a woman, the opposite of being a misogynist and hating women isn't like supporting like not polluting not like being more of a, a minimalist you know not doing things that are damaging to the environment isn't that like being pro-environment they, they call that you know you did you deny climate change you won't drive an electric car you won't in, invest in green energies and uh, what and then same thing with vaccines Vaccine, and it's not just vaccines, but just people that don't even trust vaccines or don't trust that viruses are causing diseases. Everything is like, oh, people must be dying. People must be dying from vi- uh, vaccines. People must be dying from viruses. What about lifestyle choices? What about this New York Times article? They, they mentioned this guy's name, Sean. He's got a stuffy nose. Is it COVID? No, he tests regularly. Is it the flu? No, he recovered from the flu. Is it RSV? No, it's not RSV. So it could be anything. Yeah, it could be the weather changing. It could be the food he's eating. It it could be just the cold, dry air. I, like in it all in all sincerity, what the hell is wrong with these people? This this is brainwashing. This is binary thinking. I read this other article too. Uh new research revisiting how long COVID stays on surfaces bringing us straight back to March of 2020. And it's all about how new research shows you that once you disinfect things, it doesn't always make a difference. And you got to keep wiping your groceries down and wiping the counters down. I have a memory myself, and I distinctly remember, I was working in a grocery store when all this happened. And I distinctly remember telling my manager, who was a dunce, I printed out the FDA's own report, and it says the virus isn't on food. The virus isn't on food packaging, so there's nothing to worry about. Oh, no, we got to wipe it all down, clean it all, spray QACs, quaternary ammonium compounds, spray all those chemicals on everything. I'm like, dude, the FDA even says, the CDC even says it doesn't transmit through physical objects. It doesn't transmit through food. Why would I spray toxic chemicals all over these containers and boxes? That is so asinine and dangerous. Oh, they said you have to do it. No. This is what the CDC and the FDA actually said. I actually agreed with them at the beginning. There was no transmission on surfaces. They even said there's no transmission through the air. And the Washington Post reported that. So if it doesn't transmit on surfaces, it doesn't transmit through the air. Where does it transmit from? Your imagination, literally, because it's all made up, which is what Johns Hopkins said. Johns Hopkins University, one of their statistical data analysts, said, If you test negative for COVID-19, but you believe you have it, then you have it. It's all literally belief. That doesn't mean there's not particles they see under a microscope. It doesn't mean there aren't firefighters at a fire. It just means the firefighters didn't start the fire. Something else is causing it. You got a stuffy nose, a stuffy sore throat. It doesn't mean a virus caused it. And if it is a virus, aren't there a lot of other viruses except RSV and SARS-CoV-2? But no. New research says the viruses are still on surfaces, but they never said that originally anyway. So they're literally re- they're rewriting history and changing history. That article is from Parade Magazine. New research revisiting how long COVID stays on surfaces. Uh, that's not what the original research said. I remember it. I printed it out. I've got a whole file box of that kind of stuff. And then here's the New York Times again. It's time to wear a mask, health experts say. Why? Masks are back, and this time they're not just for COVID-19. A triple-demic of coronavirus, influenza, and respiratory viruses like RSV are sweeping all over the United States in cities and counties, including New York City and Los Angeles, and they're encouraging people to wear masks once again. And the triple of RSV and COVID-19 and the flu are impacting kids all over the country. Kids couldn't be sick for other reasons. They couldn't be socially starved. They couldn't be starved of affection from their parents. Couldn't be a result of the alcoholism, the drug abuse, the poor eating, the poor diets, the lack of exercise, the stagnant lifestyles. It couldn't be because of just the outright, downright ignorance and and idiocy of virtually everything we're entertained by, everything we interact with. Couldn't be any of that. Couldn't be the lack of conscious or artistic and spiritual, soulful expression. It couldn't be the things that make us human that we're lacking. It just must be something else that we can blame, something random, something that's invisible. That's the culprit. This is a one-track, collectivized, hive mind thought process, and whether it's abortion, vaccines, COVID-19, climate change, or racism, because you like Ancient Apocalypse on Netflix, it's binary thinking. And when every conversation, literally every conversation is reduced to that kind of binary thinking, That's real brainwashing. That's real programming where the automatic responses, you can interpret what they're going to be before you before you even, you know, say what you're going to say, because, you know, if you put one thing into that person's, you know, mind, they're going to respond exactly the way that you that you can predict. They're going to respond because it's a program. It's zero one zero one human consciousness reduced to a binary system of zeros and ones, ones and zeros. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the secret teachings. I guess technically when you're listening to this, it is the, the winter solstice. Uh, we'll have our winter solstice Christmas Yule show tomorrow. One of the Christmas shows we do every year. We look at winter solstice. We look at Yule. We look at the origin and the history of a lot of uh, Christmas traditions. Always one of my favorite shows. So we'll be here tomorrow night on Ground Zero. Radio to talk with you about Yule and the winter solstice and uh, all of that fun stuff. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, www.thesecretteachings.info. Please subscribe. Please buy a book. Please support the show. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy.